Hello, fellow Wanderers. I received a nice note from a listener that I wanted to share. Quote, I just wanted to thank you for what you were doing in your podcast. I just found it, and it's all I have been asking for. I love the Silmarillion, and hearing you explain it in a way more simple is awesome, especially that English is not my first language. Thank you so much. This note was reassuring to me, and exactly why I wanted to start this podcast. We hit a major milestone a couple of days ago, 1,000 total downloads. Thank you for listening and your support. I would love to hear from you if you'd like to drop me a note. Find me on Instagram at Beginner's Guide L-O-T-R Podcast or email me at lordoftheringspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, for today's episode, I'll share what's been happening in Middle-earth while we've been learning about the Valar and the elves over in Valinor. What have Thingol and Melian been doing? Where did the dwarves come from? What was the first battle in the Wars of Beleriand? This episode is based on the chapter called Of the Sindar from a book called The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien published by Ballantine Books in 1977. A link to purchase the book is in the show notes. All this and more, coming right up. Welcome to the Beginner's Guide to the Lord of the Rings podcast. We explore the foundational, epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoy J.R.R. Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Lagovanian, fellow wanderers. Today in Middle-earth, today's episode date is February 3. In the year 3019, the Fellowship is still resting in Lothlorien. You'd think they would have felt more urgency, just sitting there for a couple of weeks. But in Lothlorien, time seems to stand still, in large part thanks to the Ring of Power that Galadriel wears, which slows the decay of time and preserves the realm. This is adapted from Today in Middle-earth History Calendar on the OneRing.net. Map check. It is the first age of Middle-earth. So far, we've been following the actions of the Valar, a powerful set of beings who live in the Blessed Realm called Valinor, far in the west. We've also been tracking the actions of the Noldor, a faction of the elves who came to Valinor, but many have since left to return to Middle-earth to reclaim the Silmarils. The Noldor are led by Feanor, who created the beautiful Silmarils, which were then stolen by Morgoth. Morgoth also has returned to Middle-earth, and re-established an evil realm in the north. If none of that makes sense to you, please go check out our previous episodes. While all this has been happening in the west, the elves who didn't come to Valinor have settled in various places in a land called Beleriand. So let's start there. What is Beleriand anyway? We've mentioned Beleriand briefly in past episodes, but it's been a while, and since the remaining tales of the Silmarillion will take place in Beleriand, we should take a minute to get acquainted with it. If you were to look at a map of Middle-earth, like the one that accompanies the Lord of the Rings books or movies, you'll see the Shire in the northwest corner, roughly halfway between two mountain ranges, the all-too-familiar Misty Mountains on the east, and the not-very-familiar Arid Luin, or Blue Mountains, in the west. If you keep going west, past the Arid Luin, there's a land called Linden, and further west, Open Ocean. This is how the lands look in the Third Age, when Bilbo, Frodo, Sam, Aragorn, and the Fellowship achieve their great adventure. But in the first age of Middle-earth, the age in which the Silmarillion mostly takes place, west of the Arid Luin was a very wide land, full of rushing rivers, tall mountains, and great forests, that stretches far into the west until meeting the sea. This land is called Beleriand, and I would guess that it, it was roughly twice as big as the land between the Arid Luin and Misty Mountains that you may be familiar with. North of Beleriand, Morgoth establishes his evil realm, and we'll learn in future episodes that the sons of Feanor will establish realms in a sort of siege against Morgoth. But for today, the chief feature of Beleriand that I want to point out is a large forest right in the center. 
This region was known as Doriath, and it was home to Thingol and Melian. I'll get to Thingol and Melian in just a second, but before I do, trying to describe the maps that accompany Tolkien's works just doesn't do them justice. So if you have a copy of the Silmarillion, feel free to crack it open and take a quick glance at the map. Or if you want to dive a little deeper, check out a book titled The Atlas of Middle-Earth by Karen Wynne Fonstad. This atlas is a masterpiece of topography for Middle-Earth. A link to purchase both of these books on Amazon is in the show notes. Okay, let's zoom in now to Thingol and Melian. While the trees in Valinor still blossomed and shed forth light, and Valinor's bliss and peace were full, Thingol and Melian gathered many elves to them in the land of Doriath. As a reminder, Thingol was one of the three noble ambassadors of the elves, who saw the light of the trees, and then convinced the elves to obey the summons of the Valar and travel to Valinor. On his way back west, he met Melian. Melian was one of the Maiar, that class of spiritual beings who were servants to the Valar. They wed, and while the glory of Valinor was high, they brought forth their only child, Luthien. And, quote, the white flowers of Nifredel came forth to greet her as the stars from the earth. Because Thingol's people obeyed the summons of the Valar, but didn't ultimately come and behold the light of the trees, they are known as the Sindar, or the Grey Elf. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game, a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. About this time, the dwarves also started to show up. In their language, they called themselves Khazad, but the elves called them Nagrim and Gonhirim, Masters of Stone. The dwarves had been awake for some time and had created many great cities carved out of the rock on the east side of Ered Luin. Remember, the Ered Luin is the mountain range on the east of Beleriand and west of the land that would become the Shire. The greatest of these stone halls they called Khazad-dûm, which later became known as Moria in the Misty Mountains far to the east. The elves were at first amazed to see the dwarves, thinking that they themselves were the only creatures that could speak or build. But the language of the dwarves sounded, quote, cumbrous and unlovely, and few elves actually learned it. But the dwarves were far more eager to learn the elves' language than to teach their own. The friendship between the elves and the dwarves was, quote, ever cool, but in reality both races benefited greatly from interacting with each other. Thingol welcomed the dwarves, but in time the dwarves would grow more friendly with the Noldor, Feanor's people, because of the Noldor's reverence for Aule and skill in crafting, for even in their early years, the dwarves' skill in crafting with metals and stone was unmatched. In time, Melian had the foresight to realize that peace would not last forever in Beleriand, and that evil would return. So by her urging, Thingol hired the dwarves to build a great fortress for the elves, and in payment, Melian provided knowledge, and Thingol provided gems and pearls. And so the dwarves mined and built Menegroth, the Thousand Caves, for Thingol and Melian in the land of Doriath. The elves for themselves also participated, and side by side they created a dwelling place that mirrored the beauty of Valinor. Not long after this, the dwarves informed Thingol of evil things that were growing stronger in the wild, especially the north. 
even so much so that Thingol's ancient kindred in the east were fleeing from such evils. Then into Beleriand came evil creatures like wolves and shadow creatures that had a wolf shape as well as orcs. The creatures who were once elves but had been corrupted and twisted to evil purposes by Melkor or Morgoth long ago. So Thingol first thought of weapons to protect his people. Again they turned to the dwarves for the crafting of them. For the dwarves from the very beginning had been, quote, a warlike race, and they would fight fiercely against whomsoever aggrieved them, even their fellow dwarves. So the dwarves created for Thingol great stores of weapons and armor, including mail shirts. In time, the foresight of Melian proved true, for Morgoth killed the two trees, stole the Silmarils, and returned to the north. The cry of Morgoth's anguish as Ungoliant attempted to strangle him rang all throughout Beleriand and struck fear into the hearts of all. In the north, Morgoth gathered all evil things to him, and they multiplied and, quote, grew strong and fell, and their dark lord filled them with the lust of ruin and death. Without warning, a great army of orcs issued from the north and attacked King Thingol and Doriath. Split into two great companies, the orcs marched on both the east and west borders of Doriath, thus surrounding Thingol and cutting him off from the help of his friend Kidron the shipwright, who dwelt in the west. Thingol marched on the host in the east and won the victory, but at a great price. Many elves were lost, including one named Denethor, who was surrounded and cut down on a hill. Thus, his people, Denethor's people, would rarely engage in open warfare, but instead fight with secrecy and would live in the forests of Middle-earth and so became known as the Green Elves for their camouflage clothes. Think Legolas here. But on the west, the orcs had greater success and had pushed Kidron all the way to the shores of the sea. In response, Thingol called all the elves to him in an effort to fortify Doriath. Melian, being a powerful Maiar, quote, fenced all that dominion round about with an unseen wall of shadow and bewilderment, known as the Girdle of Melian. Thus ended the first battle of the Wars of Valerian. Not long after, Feanor and his sons arrived back in Middle-earth, landing on the northwestern shores, where they burned the stolen ships of the Teleri. Okay, let's wrap up. Valerian is a land in the first stage far west of the Shire. Thingol and Melian established Doriath and worked with the dwarves to build a palace in the caves of that land. Their only child, Luthien, is born. Morgoth initiates the first battle, and after a dearly bought victory, Melian creates a powerful barrier between Doriath and the rest of Beleriand. Feanor has returned to wage war against Morgoth. Next time we'll learn of the rising of the sun and moon to give light to all the earth. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. For feedback on the show, please email me at lordoftheringspodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at beginnersguidelotrpodcast. Until next week, remember, not all those who wander are lost.